AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You're listening to Comedy Central. Coming to you from New York City, the only city in America, it's The Daily Show. Tonight, the end of Twitter. January 6th, Amnesia, and Rashawn and Gia Casey. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Take a seat, Joe. Take a seat. We've got a hot show for you from the Breakfast Club. DJ Envy is going to be joining us with his wife, Gia, to talk about their new book on how to make your marriage work. You're going to love it. It's trending online. It's a really insightful book. And we're going to figure out why Marjorie Taylor Greene and half of the GOP can't seem to remember what happened on January 6th. <laughs> so let's do this, people. Let's jump straight into today's headlines. begin with the latest twist in the will-they-won't-they they story that everyone is talking about. Elon Musk and Twitter. It's the hottest and messiest relationship drama this side of Riverdale, and it looks like after weeks of flirtation and fighting, the new couple has officially done the deed. Now it is official. Elon Musk has bought Twitter for approximately $44 billion. He's going to be paying each share of Twitter $54.20. In a statement released by the company, Mr. Musk said, free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy, and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. This is a dramatic turn of events from earlier this month when Twitter was set to decline Musk's offer, adopting a so-called poison pill to block him. That's right, people. Twitter said it would never sell to Elon Musk, and then he produced the cash, and they're like, all right, we'll sell. (laughs) Yes, I guess they found that edit button after all. (laughs) It's actually kind of a historic moment. This is the first time anyone at Twitter has changed their mind about anything. Well done. (laughs) 
I feel like Twitter was always going to sell to Elon, though, right? They just couldn't be too eager about it. You know, it's like a, like a husband and a wife where it's like, uh-uh, I am not going to that wedding. Forget it. It's not going to happen. And then three months later, it's like, how does my bow tie look? How does it, <laughs> do you think it looks good? Do you think it does? I honestly don't know why Elon would want to own Twitter, right? It just doesn't seem like a fun place to supervise right now. You know, it's like buying Jurassic Park after the power went down and the cages are opened. <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna spend a lot of time replacing Jeep windshields, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> but the truth is, look, in many ways, this is a really smart move by Elon Musk because wealthy men know the value in owning publishing platforms. Yeah, it's why Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post, it's why Rupert Murdoch bought the Wall Street Journal, it's why Confucius owns those fortune cookies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you see, then he knows that none of us will play his lucky numbers in the lotto. That's genius. So you see, by buying Twitter, Elon Musk gets to own one of the most culturally influential publishing platforms in the world. I mean, remember this, think about it. Twitter is how the Arab Spring took off, right? Black Lives Matter blew up on Twitter. The Me Too movement started on Twitter. Trump used Twitter to turn himself from a reality show joke into the 45th president of the United States and a joke. <laughs> so owning Twitter gives you more power than the drugstore employee with the key to the deodorant shelf, yeah. Yeah, you wanna smell fresh, you best not piss off Curtis. Don't play around. <laughs> I'll shut you down, walk around smelling musty. <laughs> so here's the thing, look, whether you are for Elon Musk or against him, you've gotta admit, it is pretty crazy that one man is now in control of all of that. Because before this, Jack Dorsey didn't own Twitter. Right? A lot of people think he did. No, he had 2% of the shares. And even as CEO, he still had to answer to the board. And the board still had to answer to the shareholders. And Twitter itself still had to answer to the SEC. But now as a private company, it's just Elon Musk. Yeah, everything that happens on Twitter from now on is up to him. And also whatever strain his weed guy gives him that day. <laughs> I'm just saying, if he gets the wrong sativa, there could be a race war, people. Prepare yourselves. <laughs> Like, this is the thing, whether it's a billionaire you like or a billionaire you hate, as a society, I think we should spend more time interrogating how easy it is for billionaires to shape our world in their favor. Just think about it. You like it now, you don't like it now, but should they be able to do it? I don't know. But let's move on from Twitter to a real battlefield, the invasion of Ukraine. Since before the invasion began, the United States has tried to put pressure on Russia using economic sanctions, which is basically taking away your allowance, but for countries. And the US government has cast a wide net. It's gone after Russian officials, uh, oligarchs, companies, banks, and of course, Vladimir Putin himself. But it turns out there's one high profile Russian who has somehow avoided becoming a target. A new report explains why the US has so far refused to sanction Vladimir Putin's girlfriend and the mother, allegedly, of his three, or three of his children. The US government has considered, but then pulled back on, sanctioning a woman long rumored to be Putin's girlfriend, the Russian gymnast, Alina Kabeva. This is something that uh, was deemed so sensitive that they decided to hold off because they believed that Putin's uh, response could be so irrational, so angry, um, that there would be some sort of backlash. Wow, this is interesting. Well, the US government has sanctioned everyone except Putin's girlfriend. I guess they watched the Oscars and they were like, ooh, maybe we should stay away from spouses. <laughs> just, uh, we played safe. And, and, and before we get into the sanctions or not sanctions, am I the only person who's shocked that Vladimir Putin has a girlfriend? Am I the only one? <laughs> like, if there's any man out there who has some red flags, girl, let me tell you about Vlad. <laughs> Yeah, I know some people like a bad boy, but this is next level. <laughs> like, there's bad and then there's genocide, okay? 
Also, Putin must be relieved that the US is not sanctioning his girlfriend. Because let's be honest, sanctions take a relationship to a whole new level. You know, that puts a lot of pressure on the relationship. Yeah, I always tell my friends, sanctions in a relationship, whoa, oh yeah, it's a lot of pressure, mm-mm, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure Putin was relieved. You know, he can't have America being more serious about his relationship than he is. Can you imagine how pissed his girlfriend would be? He's just like, Vladdy, how come America treat me like your wife, but you still will not let me keep toothbrush at Kremlin, huh? Tishto, Vlad, tishto. And finally, let's move on to some entertainment news. You probably know Netflix as the service with great shows that get canceled just when you become a fan. <laughs> and also the home of the saddest episodes of Arrested Development ever. <laughs> but right now, some of Netflix's biggest hits are actually imports from other countries. And one of the hottest series on Netflix right now is a reality show that is beloved in Japan, but has Americans a lot more divided. Japanese game shows have never been known for their subtlety, but one new offering on Netflix has jaws dropping. Old Enough is an unscripted series, parents sending their two to five-year-old children to run errands, from grocery shopping to dropping off dry cleaning or squeezing fresh juice. Netflix calling Old Enough the most wholesome show you've ever seen, but the internet isn't convinced. Um, how is abandoning a tiny child to cross a busy road wholesome? It gave me anxiety. Sure, it was cute, but I'm not sure that's great parenting. And while the concept might seem bizarre to Western audiences, the show has been running for 30 seasons in Japan. Japan is very different than the US. Neighborhoods are more pedestrian friendly, and the culture is more trusting of kids. In Japan, parents chaperone their 10 and 11 year olds on just 15% of trips, compared with 65% here. Some parenting experts think American audiences can learn from the show. It's a little nerve-wracking to let your kids go, but when you do, they will just impress you. Or they'll disappoint you. <laughs> there should always be an awe. But yeah, one of Netflix's most popular shows, and easily one of my favorites, is Old Enough, which is all about kids doing things for themselves. And let's be honest, I mean, that's the best kind of kid, you know? It's like having a self-cleaning oven, but it's a child. <laughs> And I agree, I absolutely agree that kids should have more freedom than they do. This American obsession with protecting kids can actually mess with their heads. Like, think about it, parents in America will leash their kids, but then let their dogs run around free. <laughs> your kids should never look at your pets and be like, that lucky bastard. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says, man, American parents are overbearing. You won't let your kids walk down the street by themselves, but then inside the house, they just hand them an iPad and ignore them the whole day, huh? Just be like, mommy, will you read to me? No, 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 shh, not now. I'm tweeting about how bad these Japanese parents are. Go on, here, here, take the iPad. Go on YouTube and learn about who really did 9-11. Go on, go on. <laughs> I don't get the anxiety people feel watching the show. Yes, these kids are running errands. Yes, but guys, there's a whole camera crew nearby. They're like, they're by themselves. No, there's a camera crew. If something was about to happen that was bad, they'd step in. You know, it's not like a nature documentary where they have to stand by and let the tiger kill the gazelle. <laughs> and now the windowless van approaches <laughs> and absconds with little Mikey <laughs> as the sun sets on Main Street. <laughs> the circle of life is complete. <laughs> All right, that's it for the headlines. Before we go to a break, let's check in on the stock market with our very own finance expert, Michael Costa, everybody. 
Things are looking crazy, Michael. Yeah. What is happening with the market today? Well, I am absolutely crushing the market. Okay. As, and, I, as you're and, saying. And, and I got a hot tip for you, and I got a hot tip for you. So let's get into it. Okay. Actually, actually, before I do that, the Japanese game show. Yeah. I mean, that's unreal. Right? You know, I mean, I know American adult children who can't execute those tasks. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, but, but parents, you got to be careful sending your kids out to do errands. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, and, and my dad asked my 25-year-old sister to go get the family orange juice. She drove to Mexico and joined a cult. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which reminds me, Christy, if you're watching this, uh, we still need orange juice back at the house. So, look, I'm... Okay. Trevor, I'm, I'm so thankful this show takes place in Japan. Yeah. You know, so imagine a place like South Africa where the kids would have to watch out for all the giraffe in the street or... No, um, no, 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 Costa, Costa, no, we have giraffes, but we don't have them in the streets. Because you don't have streets. Dude, don't be ashamed. You're doing good. I'm not dude, ashamed. That's dude, not... You're doing you, good. Dude. You're, you're doing good. Okay. Look, look, maybe the reason I'm not impressed with these Japanese kids is that as a kid myself, I spent a lot of alone time. So, look, look, my dad, he used to take me camping, and, and, and as I was setting up the campsite, he would, he would drive off, and he'd say, I'll be back in a few minutes, and, you know, it, it would be a couple days usually, and sometimes <laughs> I'd be up there on the mountain, and it would start to get cold, and I wouldn't have a lot of drinking water, so I would, I would warm the snow with my hands, and then eventually I would, I, would, I would pack up the stuff, and I would start the long trek home, you know, through the, the winding, unforgiving mountains, and... Eventually, I would bust through the door of home, and my mom, she'd be so happy to see me. She'd be crying, and she'd be embracing me, and my dad, he'd be so surprised, he'd be screaming, you know? <laughs> Anyways, I love camping. And then, and then the next time he would take me, we would drive even further away from the house. But, but, but I remember, as I, would, as I would trek through the mountains and, and hunt antelope with my bare hands, the, the one thought that would get me through all this, Trevor, was, was my mom's warm embrace and her sweet smile. I think... So you want to get to the markets real quick, or...? Um, the yeah. markets are bad, Trevor. Yeah. The markets are bad, okay? Red is bad, red is bad, red is bad, all right? Oh, okay. Now, okay. these lines, you got to ignore these, unfortunately. Uh, my apologies. I uploaded all my computer data into my financial app. These are really just personal stuff that measures on my computer. This, this is my salary once I passed it through inflation. Uh, the green line are all my Twitter followers once I talk about race relations in the United States. Uh, the green are my effectiveness of erections as I grow older. It's, it's an odd thing to measure, but I did agree to Apple's terms and conditions. So, look, look, here's my hot tip. Here's my hot tip. Bonds, okay? As this is showing red, invest in bonds. Michael Costa, financial expert, believes in bonds, wow. especially the bond between a mother and her son. Because as I'm gnawing on a coyote carcass, it's the only vision that gets me home safe. And also, when I lose my money in the stock market, it's that bond I can rely on for a couple extra bucks. So, thanks, Trevor. I think you were abandoned. Michael, um, thank you so much for that. All right, when we come back, we'll figure out why nobody can remember what happened on January 6th. You don't want to miss it. I love you, Mom. I 
Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. show. A little over a year ago, thousands of Trump supporters stormed the Capitol building in an attempt to stop the election from being certified. And they wanted to declare Donald Trump super president forever, no backseas. <laughs> now, what was surprising is that by and large, the Republican Party has decided not to hold any of that against Donald Trump. And I mean, let's be honest, how can you stay mad at this face? How could you stay mad at this face? Yeah, 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 yeah. But the Capitol riot wasn't even the scariest thing that happened on January 6th. Because, you see, my friends, we're now finding out that something else happened that day. Countless Republicans seem to have had their memories erased. I, I know it sounds crazy, but, <laughs> but okay, look at what happened to Kevin McCarthy, the leader of the House Republicans and guy who has definitely called rap music the hippity hop. He's one of Trump's firmest supporters. Never wavered in public, even after January 6th. So when the New York Times reported that McCarthy had privately told colleagues that he thought Trump should resign, he denied it fiercely. He had no memory of saying anything like that. And then the tapes dropped. Uh, I've, I've had it with this guy. Uh, what he did is unacceptable. Um... Nobody can defend that and nobody should defend it. Again, I mean, the only discussion I would have with him is that it would be my recommendation he should resign. It is my recommendation that he should resign, but yet McCarthy's memory of that call was completely wiped. <laughs> yeah, on January 10th, he was all, I've had it with this guy. And then two weeks later, he was chilling at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, dude quit Trump the way most of us quit Twitter. He's like, I'm deleting this app. Actually, I'm not gonna delete it, but I won't check it again until right now. Tweet, 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 tweet. Did you miss me? <laughs> and by the way, a lot of people were wondering if getting caught on tape slamming Donald Trump would be the end of Kevin McCarthy's political career. I mean, this is Trump's party. You know, if Trump comes out against him, that's it, it's over. All it takes is one crying Kevin betrayed me and it's done. 
But instead, Trump came out and said, he and McCarthy are fine. In fact, he said, I think it's all a big compliment. Frankly, they realized they were wrong and supported me. <laughs> yeah, you see, Trump loves this stuff. In fact, if you used to be against him and now you're not, he likes those people more than someone who loved him the whole time because it shows that he made you bend the knee. Yeah, the dude loves converting people more than Scientologists and vegans combined. <laughs> Let me tell you something now. If Hillary Clinton herself came out right now as pro-Trump, I don't care what anyone says. Let me tell you right now, she would be his new favorite person. He'd be like, do we love crooked Hillary folks? Do we love her? Let her out. Let her out. Let her out. So good. So good. I love her. I love her. She was so cheeky. Used to be cheeky. So yeah, Kevin McCarthy completely forgot what he said on and around January 6th. But it's not just him. Take Rick Perry, Trump's energy secretary. A few months ago, CNN reported that Perry was the author of a text message laying out a plan for overturning the election. And Perry said, absolutely not. It never happened. But then today, CNN got hold of the complete message and it's actually signed Rick Perry. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's worse. The fact that he was part of an insurrection or the fact that he signed his text message. <laughs> That's such an old person thing to do. <laughs> it's worse than when my grandfather bought a bigger TV because he thought it would fit more channels in it. <laughs> so look, obviously something happened to Rick's memory too. But as worried as I am for those guys, people, I am really concerned about Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> Congresswoman from Georgia and soccer mom who's definitely slashed the other team's bus tires. <laughs> you see, a few of MTG's constituents have filed a lawsuit to disqualify her from Congress based on her role in January 6th. Yeah, apparently, there's something in the Constitution that says you can't run for office if you do an insurrection against the government. Yeah, you know how people had crazy ideas back then. Yeah. <laughs> and now, look, we all know it's probably not gonna work, but Marjorie Taylor Greene was still forced to testify at a hearing on Friday, and it looks like nobody has been hit harder by January 6th amnesia than her. You didn't talk to anybody in government about the fact that there were going to be large protests in Washington on January 6th. I don't remember. You spoke to Representative Biggs or his staff about that fact, didn't you? I do not remember. How about Representative Gosar? I'm sorry, I don't remember. Did anyone ever mention to you the possibility that there might be violence in Washington? I don't remember. Ms. Green, this is a tweet that you sent out uh, on January 2nd, 2021, correct? I'm not sure. Okay, you don't recall this? I, I don't recall tweeting that, no. Did you advocate to President Trump to impose martial law as a way to remain in power? I don't recall. You don't recall if you wanted to impose martial law? <laughs> you don't, wow! I wish I had Marjorie Taylor Greene's memory. Yeah, I once said, enjoy your dinner to a waiter in 2003. <laughs> and I still think about it every day. Every day. Enjoy your dinner. You enjoy your dinner. Kill me. 
Meanwhile, she can't even remember if she told the president to impose martial law. Yo, 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 let me tell you something. That should be an easy one for most people. If you ever asked the president to impose martial law, you would never forget something that specific. Like, if anyone can't say no to doing something that specific and weird, you definitely did that shit. <laughs> um, I, uh... Uh, have I ever tried to steal a horse and uh, ride it inside a bouncy castle? Um, <laughs> Your Honor, I do not recall. Um, <laughs> but you gotta admit, that sounds like something a pretty cool guy would do, right? <laughs> right, members of the jury, right? Yeah. <laughs> but if it's not cool, then I do not recall. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. So, Marjorie Taylor Greene spent the entire hearing denying that she had any memory of anything to do with January 6th. But it turns out, my friends, that there may be a cure to this amnesia because one thing that can bring it back, even if just for a little bit, is evidence. And in another moment, Taylor Greene first denied that she had called House Speaker Nancy Pelosi a traitor to her country before kind of hedging a little bit when faced with actual evidence of saying it. In fact, you think that Speaker Pelosi is a traitor to the country, right? Uh, you're, I'm not answering that question. It's speculation. You, it's you've, you've said that, haven't you, Ms. Green, that she's a traitor to the country? No, I haven't said that. Okay. Put up Plaintiff's Exhibit 5, please. Which oh, no, wait. Hold on now. Oh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. No, now that you busted me, I remember the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, I remember it now. I love that move. Yes, that's, that's when you tell your mom, yeah, I did my homework. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, let me show it to me. And you're like, oh, homework. Yeah, I thought you meant my work at home. Um, I'll do that now. Thank you, mom, for reminding me. I, uh, yeah, no, thank you so much for that. Look, man, I mean, clearly this person is unqualified for Congress, right? Because politicians, are supposed to be good at lying, okay? <laughs> this was just embarrassing. Okay, in my defense, I didn't know you had evidence. I mean, I never have evidence for the stuff I say. I didn't even know that was a thing you could do. <laughs> Keep in mind, people, this stuff only happened a little over a year ago. It's not like they're being asked to remember their prom date's eye color. These aren't trick questions. But nobody in the Republican Party can seem to remember planning the insurrection or talking about it or even how they felt about it at the time. Kevin McCarthy, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jim Jordan, the list goes on and on. When it comes to the events surrounding that day, it's almost like it's been erased from their memories, which is obviously ridiculous, unless... On the next season of Severance. Did you talk to the White House about trying to overturn the election? I do not remember. It's one thing to forget work. Governor, to see McCarthy simply doesn't remember what he said about Mr. Trump's culpability. I'm not sure what call you're talking about. Jim Jordan can't seem to remember when he talked to Trump on January 6th. I don't know if I spoke with him in the morning or not. I, I just don't know when those conversations happened. But, uh, but what if an entire political party couldn't remember January 6th? Did you talk with other congressmen about overturning the election? I have no idea. That's a perfect score. Sometimes it's just easier to forget. Hello.
Coming to Apple TV Plus this fall. Ben Stiller, you've done it again. All right, when we come back, DJ MD and his wife, Gia, are going to tell you how to save your marriage, so don't go away. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The Daily Show. My guests tonight are DJ and radio host Rashawn Envy and his wife Gia Casey. They're here to talk about their new book about their 27-year relationship called Real Life, Real Love. Please welcome Gia and DJ Envy. Welcome to The Daily Show. Thanks Thank for having you for us. having us. Your book has caused quite a storm. I'm sure you have noticed. You know, <laughs> there, there, there are not many books about marriages and relationships that get everyone online talking, which I actually think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But I want to start with the why. You know, some people write books about how they did what they did in the relationship. It's always one person in the couple. You wrote a book together. It's really intimate. It is also really vulnerable. Tell me why. Well. For us, like you said, we've been together for 27 years, married almost 21 years. Wow. And people constantly come up to us, friends, family, sometimes even people on the street, asking us, how is it that we kept it together? And I don't really like that question, because kept it together kind of gives the impression that you did it somewhat under duress. Mm -hmm. I think the better question is, 27 years later, why do we still want to be together. Ooh, I like that. Because marriage is a choice, but a lot of people don't look at it as a choice. It's like after the honeymoon stage is over, after uh-huh. the big, beautiful wedding, typically around seven years down the line, it's as though a lot of people feel as though they're trapped there yeah. or yeah. being held in a vice and eyes start wandering. But why is it that now we still want to be there? So we wanted to let people know. It mm-hmm. really gets into the nitty gritty of relationships in a way that like, you know, I, 
like you, you, you're DJ Envy. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I was surprised by the vulnerability you, you put in this book because you even talk about it in the book. There's no denying that hip hop for a long time has has operated in a shroud of bravado. Correct. You know, so hip hop has all been about. Uh, you, I don't even talk about my wife. You don't know if I have my wife. I'm all about the streets. You know, right. I've got these ladies in the street. It's it's a it's a feeling. It's Absolutely. an idea. Mm -hmm. yes. And you've come out as DJ Envy, and you're going, no. Here are the mistakes I made. Here's how I was insecure as a man, yeah. here's how I could have been a better husband. Was there not a part of you that was worried that the DJ Envy would now basically be, be you know, losing himself to, to tell the no, truth? No, I, I think these are the conversations we need to have. If you think about it, we can go to the barbershop and we talk about our favorite NBA player. We can uh -huh. talk about our favorite sneakers, our favorite music. But sometimes things that are important we need to discuss as well, and that is relationships. I wish I had somebody at the barbershop and say, hey, look, my wife is, me and her arguing about this. Right. Am I right? Is she right? What do I do? You know, how do we solve this conversation? How do we get into a situation where we're not right fighting, meaning we're just fighting to win, but we actually want to, you know, get to the same place and have a better, you know, description of whatever we're arguing about? Because at the end of the day, we're on the same team. Right. If we're arguing, we shouldn't be arguing to, I shouldn't be trying to annihilate her. She shouldn't be trying to destroy me in an argument. We should be trying to get to an understanding where we can both understand. It seems impossible though, that like, I mean, the book starts off in honestly one of the most vulnerable places, which I, which I commend you for, because I think a lot of people live in a silo where they think their relationship is terrible and everyone's living great relationships because they're on Instagram, mm -hmm. yes. right? And then you read the book and then you go like, oh boy, relationships <laughs> are tough. People are struggling. Yes. Yes. You talk about infidelity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you talk about, in the beginning of the book, you were a shitty man to her. You talk about this in the book. No, no, it's, it, I'm not, I'm not saying you. Gosh, Trevor. <laughs> no, no, no. You talk about yes, being yes. controlling. You talk about being like, you know, you had this, you were like, yeah, you can't go there. You're gonna go with me here and you're gonna be in the booth when I'm DJing. You, 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 you talk about this. Yeah. That's a vulnerable place to put yourself in and it's an honest place. Mm -hmm. Like. That is an interesting thing to do as a person. I want to know why you thought you need to include that. You didn't keep it vague. Right. You were like, here's specifically how I was shitty. Well, I wanted to, to talk about what I did to be so shitty. No, no, Trevor. no, 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 no. <laughs> we've all been shitty. Don't judge, we've all been shitty in relationships. Good, you know what I mean. Gracious. I was a good husband too at one point now, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know, also I have a, a 20 year old, you know, yes. uh, and she goes to NYU and I wanted to, to teach her and show her what she should be looking at, right? Because I tell her if she finds a guy like how I was, run. Wow. And we wanted to, not that funny, but I, wanted to, <laughs> but I wanted to also discuss, you know, the change and the evolution and what made me think about it and why I was insecure. I was insecure because I thought she would find somebody smarter, somebody more uh, handsome than me, which would be difficult, but more handsome than me. Uh, and I was really, really at a place where I was like, I can't let her go. If she yeah. leaves, she's going to find somebody else. And it was my own insecurities that almost ruined this relationship, ruined hmm. my, the best thing I've ever had, ruined a relationship with my best friend. We have six kids. And I almost lost all of that because I was insecure. Wow. That's beautiful, man. Thank you for sharing. For real, that's beautiful. Thank you. That's really nice because... You see, when we talk about that bravado, take it away from hip-hop. Because people have been sold the idea of perfect relationships, everyone who thinks they're not in a perfect relationship thinks that they're failing. Mm -hmm. When, in fact, people who are honest go like, oh, this is hard. It is hard to do. You talk about infidelity. You talk about the things that you were going through. Gia, one of the biggest things women will talk about is the embarrassment and shame that comes with being cheated on. They go like, my self-worth has almost been publicly decimated. In the book you share, yes. how you found out from a gossip blog mm -hmm. that he was having an affair. Now, people lie and everything, but that one was true. Yes. When you're sharing that, when women are reading that, many women would say the same. They go like, Gia, if a man cheats on me, I'm gone, I'm out. And yet you talk about all of your whys and your hows. 
What did you learn in that moment, and what do you think people can learn about infidelity in a, in a marriage? Okay. First of all, Rashawn didn't cheat on me. He cheated on himself. Oof. And a lot of women don't look at the situation that way when they're cheated on, and some men, and some men. But it takes a tremendous amount of integrity and self-worth to be able to hold yourself to a certain standard when you're in a relationship in and of itself. Furthermore, when you're in the public eye, extend that a little bit more when you're an artist, a uh -huh. DJ, an uh -huh. athlete, or someone in that profession, because like you stated earlier, it's almost expected that you're living this single life where you're popping bottles and in the clubs and right. have women around you constantly. But for me, it was very important to write the book because I want women to understand that men cheat and it doesn't necessarily have to be because of you. Huh. It is because of them. So I, don't, I didn't feel embarrassment. People ask me, how is it so easy for you to talk about? Mm -hmm. He's his own individual. He made a choice. I didn't cheat. There's no embarrassment for me. Mm. There's no humiliation for me. I own me, and I have to decide how I'm going to move forward with my head held high. It's very important for women to understand that. When, when you... When you talk about it in the book, what, what I love about this book is it's not a how-to book. I will say that. It's a, it's a book that seems like a conversation you are having with anyone who's reading the book. Mm -hmm. It seems like we've met you as a couple. We get to know you as a reader. We see you talk to each other. You talk to us as individuals. Some of your friends are in the book as well, yes. giving their perspectives from right. the outside and from right. the inside. And, and one thing that was really intriguing to me, Gia, is when you talked about honesty through a different lens. Many people think the only betrayal that can happen in a relationship is one where somebody cheats. That's betrayal. That's yes. the only betrayal. Right. You dropped one of the biggest bombshells in the book and in your relationship when you told your husband you had been faking orgasms yes. for basically a decade. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, y'all didn't find out for you. Jeez. That's, yeah, that's, but you, you admitted, you're like, this is also a betrayal. This is a dishonesty. Absolutely. Like, so walk me through that as a couple, because we'll talk about the online aspect later. I, I want to get through that, because I really enjoyed you talking about yes. it with each other. Here you are as, 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 a, as a wife going, I lied about this. Here you are as a husband going, my whole world is a lie. Correct. Yes. So we've been together since I was 15 and he was 16. Wow. And I lost my virginity virginity to him on my, when, when I was 16, on our one-year anniversary. So I was 16, he was 17. I was a virgin, and he was virgin-ish, relatively <laughs> a virgin. <laughs> he, <laughs> he had tried with somebody else, it didn't really, you know, <laughs> he crossed the finish line. So, <laughs> oh so oh it was virgin-ish. So, needless to say, we were both very inexperienced, mm -hmm. but even during those times, I enjoyed our intimacy. Yeah. I enjoyed sex, but I didn't know myself what an orgasm was. I came to figure it out, but when you don't understand yourself, how do you communicate your needs to someone else? Mm. And the way that most young women are raised in this country, more than likely around the world, it's as though we're subconsciously taught that women are playthings for men. Right. When you look at 
billboards, magazines, ads, television, music videos, anything. You see beautiful women, sexy women, sometimes scantily clad, and you believe that we're here for the pleasure of men. Mm -hmm. So I prioritized my husband, or my boyfriend before he became my husband, when it came to the bedroom. And my needs came second. And I never communicated that with him. I thought through love. I thought I was catering to his ego and catering to the outcome that obviously any person wants in that yes, type of situation. Yes. And then when I finally told him, it was years of frustration. We were in an argument and I weaponized it. Did she? To hurt him. Did she? I thought I was Mandingo. <laughs> Big Daddy Long Lake. Wow. And then she sits, and I, I'm not gonna lie, I would watch porn when I was a teen. And, yes. and porn, you just. Yes. And that's what I they thought it was. They didn't need all of that. No, right. just, they get it. And <laughs> during, during that argument, she was like, you know, I haven't had an orgasm. I'm like, oh, really? All right, well, how long? Last week? She was like, no, 10 years. And that looked just like that. That's painful. Very. Yes, yes. And. Very. It wasn't that far stretched for me at the time to weaponize something like that because our relationship at the time, we didn't behave as though we were on the same team. Mm -hmm. If we argued, it was to win. In the book, we refer to it as right fighting. Right. We didn't care about understanding each other, gaining common ground, fixing the problem. We just wanted to win so that we can kind of shrug our shoulder yes. at the other person at the end and maybe tell our friends or whatever. It was with that, um, that feeling where you just wanted to demean, essentially, the person that you're with. Mm -hmm. And you want to hurt them as much you as, hurt hurt you. Them as my, like yeah. they say, hurt people hurt people. So that's where I was coming from at the time. In, in, in the sharing of this, and I want people to read the book, so I won't mm -hmm. give all of it away because you break it down. You talk about the right. ramifications. You talk about how it made you feel. And I, I love that you also say you don't blame her. You don't go like, I cheated because she did. You go like, no, I now felt insecure. I went, I, I, it, it really is honest. One of the things I noticed online, as, as happens, is this has become like a, it's almost a meme now. You know, people are like, oh, DJ Envy, I never let my wife go out and talk like that. <laughs> Everyone has yeah. this bravado. Right. Everyone has this bravado. My right. wife would never talk about me. I, I do my thing, I do, you know what I mean? It's fake. Right, yeah, but, but, but you had to have known, especially coming from hip hop, you had to have known that people would respond in that way. I would love to know why you decided that the public ridicule was not enough of a factor to consider, you know, versus you sharing a truth that many couples right. would love to deny publicly. For myself, it was like this. I mean, and I'm sure you've been through it. I mean, we've been canceled before. Mm -hmm. We've been laughed at in jokes, so nothing bothers me. The only thing that bothers me is my family and my kids. Outside of that, I feel like we have a bigger mission. And the conversations that we started with that are through the roof. If I showed you my DMs and my wife's DMs of how many wives hit me or hit my wife and says, I'm going through that same problem, thank you. Now That's I can amazing. have the conversation with my husband. Now I can have the conversation with my boyfriend because I wasn't getting to that level. He didn't know how to please me and now it's a conversation and that's all we want. Now that was when we were 16 and 15 and we figured it out. Yeah. We figured out how to be intimate, what makes her this, what makes me that and our relationship is on a whole nother level. Yeah. So nobody can really bother me or make me feel any way. I have my wife and my kids, nobody else really matters, honestly. Those are your, fans. Those are your yeah. biggest fans. And that's if you're not But I make her orgasm now. I just want to put that out there. I make her orgasm now multiple times. I'm not. Just want to put that out there. 
Let me, let me ask you this before, before I let you go, because I, I could chat to you forever about this, honestly. Um, be, before you go, I, I would love to know two things. Um, one, you had to start a new relationship, you know, which, which is something you get into in the book, is there was the old relationship and there's definitely a new relationship. Yeah. People are in relationships all over the world. We always find ourselves in relationships that may be bad, and then now the internet says everything's toxic, but you may not know when it's toxic or when it's bad, when it can be repaired or when it cannot be repaired. Gear, from your side as a woman, what advice would you give to women to try and decipher between working on a thing that can be worked on versus staying in something that mm -hmm. they shouldn't be? Well, first you have to figure out how you actually feel about the other person. For me, when I found out I didn't, it didn't matter how I felt. I told him from day one that if he ever cheated on me, that I was out huh. and I meant it. So I was out and a lot of work had to be done to get me back in. God was a huge part of it. You'd have to read that mm -hmm, in the book, mm -hmm. but reparations had to be made. Wow. There's a part of the book called the New Deal. So when people ask me how, with the exception of God, the New Deal explains exactly what steps Rashawn needed to take to deserve my forgiveness, to deserve my understanding, and to, and to deserve my grace. And he worked relentlessly to achieve all of those things. And the key for me was until. He was willing to do that work until I was whole again, Damn. until we were whole again, until he was able to fill in the holes that he had put throughout our entire relationship. Mm. There was no expiration date because a lot of men will say, listen, I've been apologizing for two months. I've been trying to make it up to you. What do you want from me, blood? Like, what, what else can mm. I do? That, that approach is damaging because you're the offender, I'm the offendee. Now, I have to expedite my healing mm. and make you feel good again? No, th that's not my job. You broke it, now you have to fix it. And I wasn't willing to teach him how to do that. He had to figure that out on his own. So all of his efforts, the time invested, mm -hmm. the lengths to which he went to, proved to me that he was worthy of the things that he needed to become whole so that we could become whole again. And it worked. And once I decided to forgive, I didn't look back. You, before you move on from that though, I, I, there's something you said in the book, which is, I, I feel like a slight semantic, but, but a powerful one. Cause you know, now you said he had to fix it. But what you said in the book is really interesting in that he wasn't supposed to fix you. Mm -hmm. He had to fix him. Yes. Correct. And then you began your journey of fixing you as well. Exactly. And I feel like there's a, there's a difference there in healing, as it, you know, especially in the book when you talk about that, there's a difference between you saying, you have to fix me, yes. versus you have to fix you, and then I am going to fix me as well. So in that fixing, before I let you go, mm -hmm. you become new people, you become more honest, which is scary because the path to honesty is almost the end of the relationship because you have to start a new one. So in that fixing, what did you have to fix? And then what are the new things you discovered about each other where you went, oh, in this new relationship, I actually love this person more? Um, I think honesty, whole honesty. And I had to, to learn the definition of love, right? We all say, I love you. You say, I love my spouse. I love this person. But do we truly know the definition of love or do we just say it? And if I love somebody, I don't want to lie to them. I don't want to hurt them. I still get butterflies when I see them. I'll never cheat on them. And I had to understand what love meant. Sometimes we can say, oh, we love him, but we still do this. Right. And that's not what I wanted. I wanted, I wanted my best friend. 
And if that's my best friend, she's going to be honest with me and I have to be honest with her. Uh-huh. If there's something that, that bothers me about her or something that bothers her, we have to be honest. Uh. And now we're at a point in our relationship where we're completely honest. And even though I put a lot of, do a whole bunch of bull, bull-ish. You can say bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> it's, on the other side, it's a thousand times better. We are better friends. We are better parents. We are better lovers. We have a better relationship. We're just better as people. And that's due to all the bullshit I put it through. Man, it's an amazing book because it's so honest, it's messy, it's imperfect, and I think that's what every relationship is. Thank you so much for joining me on the Thanks show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank Really appreciate it. All right, people. Gia and Envy's book, Real Life, Real Love, is available now. And be sure to check out their podcast, The Casey Crew. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, I just wanted to remind you that nearly 4,000 homes have been destroyed and more than 40,000 people have been displaced by the floods and the mudslides in my home country, South Africa. Now, Gift of the Givers is a South African-based disaster relief organization on the ground helping those who have been affected by the floods. So if you can help them in their work in any way, then please donate at the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there. And if you're having trouble remembering things in your life, (laughs) you might have been part of the insurrection. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central. And stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.